Okay, Golf WRX, the newest episode of the Gear Dive brought to you by Titleist. I am your host, Johnny Wonder, and uh, it's Riviera Week with no Tiger. I don't know how I feel about that. I want the guy to get better, but Riviera just kind of loses, for me, a little bit of the excitement when Tiger's not there. Uh, because he's never won there, and I still think it's a golf course he could actually win on. So when he's not there and we skip another year and he gets a little bit older, my hopes of him winning the LA Open, they call it the Genesis, it's the LA Open, uh, you know, those, those, those hopes and desires kind of go, go away a little by little. Forgive me if I'm a little out of breath. I, uh, I'm 44 now and I'm starting to work out a little bit and I'm a little out of breath. I'm not going to lie to you. I did one of those high interval, high interval, inter something training hit workout thing about 45 minutes ago. And I'm still a little out of breath. So anyway, nonetheless, we are here podcasting on a uh, on a Wednesday afternoon. So, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about my top three. Not a little bit, a lot, but my top three. It says in the title, all-time favorite bags. I, I'm going to say these are my three, three bags that really resonated with me uh, throughout my, you know, my time following golf equipment and golf and the tour and stuff like that. Just like three, I was obsessed with these three bags. So we're going to get into that in a second. But uh, if you haven't seen on Golf WRX, uh, my sponsor, uh, Titleist just came out with uh, two new drivers, Titleist TSI-1, which is for your higher handicap, very, very high MOI driver, very, very forgiving. Uh, it's a driver that I'm uh, actually going to try and get my mom into. Uh, my old man could use it too, but he's kind of married to his TSI-2. Um, both of my parents are Titleist players right now at this point. Uh, and then they have the, the low-spin, deep-faced knuckleball machine, the TSI-4, which this would be the they had TS-4... TSI 4, I want to say there was another, there's a bunch of them, there's been a bunch of 4s, uh, my brain's not operating the way I want it to, but uh, if you get a chance, go and look at the entire line, the TSI line, uh, Titleist didn't didn't skip a beat at all in, in this launch with the TSI 2, the TSI 3, TSI 3 right now arguably, it's punching pretty hard right now uh, for best driver of the year. It is a really awesome driver. So if you get a chance, go to Titleist.com, find an authorized Titleist fitter in your area, and check out the whole TSI line. Just because you think you might be a TSI 3 person, you might be an I2, you might be an I4, uh, who knows, but you don't know until you get fitted. So uh, go ahead and check that out on Titleist.com. But nonetheless, let's get into this top three favorite bags of all time. So I'm going to start with number three, and the reason I'm going to start here um, was because this was kind of the bag, this was the bag that sparked my interest in the what's in the bag thing and what tour pros were hitting. Uh, It wasn't Tiger Woods, it wasn't Fred Couples, it wasn't even Phil Mickelson. It all happened... I think it was the 1994 Ernst Championship, which I've mentioned on the show before. Fred Couples used to host a charity tournament. At first, it was like the Fred Meyer Challenge, and it turned into the Ernst Championship. And um, I think Peter Jacobson's tournament sort of like they took that field, that time frame, and moved it into Oregon. But nonetheless, anyway, um, I went there with my dad, and uh, it was the first time I'd ever been really up close to tour pros before and looked into their bags. And I was able to see Davis Love the Third's bag which was a Tommy Armour, uh, Tommy Armour bag. And I had known, you know, Davis Love, actually this was 1995. So I was a senior in high school and I had known Davis Love to play, you know, Tommy Armour 845s and, 
Um, you know, I know he still had, he had a, a four degree persimmon and, but I remember looking into his bag and this is the summer of 1995. And this guy had a Tommy armor bag, but he had Mizuno MP 29 irons that were lead taped to death. And he had stenciled Tommy armor into them. And it was such a weird looking bag because he had a persimmon driver. He had a, um, I think it was a Cleveland classic persimmon driver. It was like four degrees loft with an X100 in it or something like that. Then he had a tailor-made tour spoon three wood with a, uh, with a graphite shaft in it. I believe it was a G Luma shaft. And then he had these MP29s. And on top of that, he had Ping I2 sand wedge and lob wedge. So this, this set was all over the place and like an old Ping, an old Ping answer putter. So I remember looking at this bag going, he's got persimmon, but he's metal with his three woods of metal wood. He's got bladed irons, but they say Mizuno. They're Mizuno irons, but they say Tommy armor. And then he's got these like cavity back cast, you know, kind of shovely sand, uh, sand and lob wedge. And the whole bag was, I was just obsessed with this guy's bag. And it was actually the first time that I ever saw up close the, the BCTs, the, uh, the, the, the golf ride tour of all full courts, which that was sort of the year they came out was 95 up until that point, the tour wrap cord was like the BCT of back then, the ones that Henrik Stenson has on his clubs. But 95, 95, I believe was the year that, uh, BCT kind of came out. So he had those two, which were pretty awesome. So the whole thing that everything about this bag, I was obsessed with. It was just an awesome looking bag. And, you know, that kind of got me, kind of got me, you know, just super into the fact that just because the player has a Tommy Armour bag doesn't mean that he's going to play their clubs. Um, so it, it just kind of got me into looking at the what's in the bags of, in the, that Golf Digest had done. And I'd already sort of been digging around into those for about a year at that point. And, um, I just became all obsessed with what guys had in their bags. And then, it, you know, it, it lended into, to finding out what Freddie had in his bag, you know, at that point back then, um, you know, without getting too off topic of Davis's bag, but you know, Freddie had like, I think he had a Lynx boom, boom driver at the time and a Ram three wood and Cleveland wedges. And, you know, it was just, it was just so cool to see all the mixed companies and see what was going on. So, you know, tracking Davis further on as the summer went along, this is after the masters. So he had, uh, down to the wire in 1995, he needed to win his last tournament to qualify for the Masters. He won in New Orleans, got the invitation to the Masters, and I think he ended up finishing like second or tie second with uh, behind Ben Crenshaw to almost win. And this is a couple months after that. This is like May or June of that year. And then this guy, and I couldn't believe it when I watched him, but the 95 Ryder Cup, uh, they were at Oak Hill. And I think it was in golf world because back then the, the tour – insider equipment stuff used to be in, in golf world, uh, magazine. That's where you kind of get all the, all the nuggets. And, uh, I remember reading that in prep for the Ryder cup. Davis love the third was going back to his old irons. And he actually put a set of the eight forty fives back in his bag. And I remember watching the Ryder cup, read it in the magazine, saw that he had these irons in play and watching the Ryder cup and see like, yeah, of course, like Davis loves got eight forty fives back in the bag. And it just, you know, it's basically what I do for a living now, which is kind of report on what I hear. We'll see what the guy shows up with. But that was like my first experience of that whole summer and year of kind of tracking Davis Love as like the one player I was really super into to see what he had in the bag. Um, and then, you know, it carried even further 
into the next year, he signs with Titleist. Then the Larry Bobka years start where he's got those, you know, the cavity backs, and he's pretty much been a Titleist guy for like the last 20 something years until he got into the Champions Tour. But like that's that bag, that moment uh, at Inglewood Country Club, looking at his bag and seeing the irons and seeing all that stuff was the first time I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm super into this. So that's bag. We'll say that's the, that's bag number three. Bag number two is from around the same time. So once again, Golf World does it. And this, and I'm talking about influential bags, bags that just sparked my interest about a player and just locked me in forever. Bag number two was the bag that Tiger Woods had in 1994. So we're going to go all the way back to Christmas in 1994. I was in Palm Desert, California. My parents were members at Palm Valley Country Club. And one of my closest friends, Mike Montgomery, who's now the, uh, the head pro at Glendale over there in Seattle, he used to be the head pro at Sahali. He used to come down for the winter. We go play golf and nerd out. And we went one night to go get dip and something else to the Circle K. And the Circle K had the golf world like year in review and player of the year. And that year it was Tiger Woods. I still remember the cover in my head. And inside that they had his full what's in the bag, just like I do. It was specs, lofts, lies, the whole thing. It was awesome. They used to do it so right back in the day. So I start digging in this mag- in this magazine. And, you know, he had at the time of publishing, I believe it was like he didn't have the King Cobra in his bag yet. He had the tailor-made tour driver with a flex twist shaft. He had the tailor-made tour spoon uh, with a flex twist. And that's the first time that I noticed that he had a combo set. I don't think anybody really knew, this is in the Christmas of 94, that he played Sawgrass with like a mixed set. So it was the first time I ever saw two through four MP29. I'm like, oh my God, five through five through nine at that time, MP14. And then on, you go into the wedge. He had the PSP Cleveland pitching wedge, the 49 degree uh, pitching wedge with, you know, had an S400 in it. And then you get into his wedges. He had a 56 degree 588. And then he had a Ram Watson grind 60, which I had no idea. I thought, you know, I, I didn't know what wedges he had in the big, but he had a Ram. Uh, and then he had his ping answer two putter, but it was like a split set and Ram lob wedge. And like, you know, these are, you know, his, his woods are like the same woods that I had. I, I didn't have the tour driver, but I had like the nine, five of the flex twist, but I had the same three wood, uh, at the time. And I remember just going, like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is the whole thing's amazing. And the other thing that I noticed about his irons, which I thought was really interesting at the time, um, standard length for a standard length for a five iron back then was like 37 and three quarters. That's kind of like what title of standard was And his five iron. Cause they had his specs was 38. And I noticed that tiger, tiger woods always choked down on everything like a quarter inch or an inch. Like back in the day, he used to do that. So like all of a sudden I wanted like a quarter inch longer irons and I wanted, and I ended up getting like about nine or 10 months later, I ended up getting that split set, that MP 29, MP14 split set. Maybe it's a little longer after that. But at that point in the game, I was hooked because the only time that I had really seen Tiger Woods, you know, clubs was on ESPN when they when he played Tripkini in the match play. I didn't really know what he had. I had an idea, but I didn't really know. So then we go and um, kind of follow this into the Masters that year. And I'm trying to see if his bag's still the same and if everything's still the same. And obviously he had a King Cobra driver at the 95 Masters. Um, it was his first time out. 
Um, I believe at the time when he won the match, when he won the, the USAM, he had leather grips on his clubs. And then he showed up at the 95 Masters with the BCTs. And I think he's had them on his clubs ever since then. And I believe that he actually got them put on. He had a brand new set of Mizunos built for the Masters. And I believe they put those grips on for the Masters. And I still remember it vividly. The round one, he had like a like a maroon jacket on and blue rain pants. And I remember he hit like nine iron into 15. And, um, you know, that was back when opening round Masters coverage was for like 90 minutes on TBS. Like if you blink, you missed it. Um, but that bag for me, as you guys all know, I'm a, you know, Tiger Woods fan idiot. That's where it started with that golf world thing. I was already a Tiger Woods fan, but that got me obsessed with this equipment. And pretty much until that magazine came out, I could track and tell you exactly what was in Tiger's bag moment to moment until I have no idea what's in his bag right now. I don't know if he's in Sim 2 or not. Like that's how far it goes. We're talking 26 years of a guy's bag that I've never met. It's a little dysfunctional. But that was bag number two, which arguably could be bag number one, but, but it's not. It's bag number two. And before I get to bag number one, I do want to talk a, a couple uh, about a couple of things that kind of sparked, sparked some thoughts for me as I'm kind of going through this. Um, it's been said, like some of the other websites that, that we interact with or are maybe people would call our competitors, don't really re- understand the what's in the bag phenomenon. Um, like why do we need to know what's in a player's bag? Like, why is it a big deal? First off, it's interesting. And I love what's in the bags because it got me into golf a little bit deeper than I would have been if I just played the sport. I'm very interested in the tools of the trade. And I want to know the why, the how, and the, and the what if of, of a player's bag. It's important to me. I like, and it's not because I want what they have. It's just, I just want to know what tools they're using to make them do what they do. And how it relates to the general golfer is the more you know, the better you'll be. So is it important for the general golfer to know what's in Charlie Howell's bag? Maybe not 100%, but is it important to know why Charlie Howell puts clubs in his bag? Yes. And that's where I hope, you know, what I do for for the website and, and for the golf community helps you guys out because I try to explain the why of it. You know, why is he in that driver? Why is that shaft the right one for him? Why that grind? Why that putter weight? All that stuff. Because it's important. Um, you know, it's important to know what a player is doing, especially if it's a player that you respond to. Um, it's, it's just going to keep you locked in. And at some point in your search or discovery of that player and your research of that player, you might find a little nugget in there that's going to help with your own game. And that's kind of why it lends into my favorite bag of all time, which may shock some people. But, and I'm going to get to it here in a second, but the second thing about why the what's in the bag or the search for what's in a player's bag is so important to me, I'll speak for myself, is the friendships that it's garnered me. Nico Bellini and I connected, like he's my brother, he's the closest thing to a brother I have in life. We connected on that stuff going into Getty images and talking about a player's bag and the what ifs. And that would be cool if he did this. And what if, you know, I wonder why Davis Love had G Loomis graphite shafts in his 845s. And then he goes to X100 for his other irons. Like why does Duval still use Sensicore? And you know, all of these questions, like they just, it's a, it's community. It's like, it's that one thing about golf that just locked me in with some people that I adore to this day. 
And as I interact with all the tour truck guys now in my function for the site, we still nerd out on that stuff. Like, it's not like they get annoyed when I call them and say, hey, like, what's in Xander's bag or what's in Matt Wolf's bag? They're stoked to tell me, like, oh, dude, he just changed shafts. He just got – because they're just as nerdy as I am. And it's amazing how stuff like that is common ground for people. We don't, I don't know most of those guys. I didn't grow up with them. I didn't know them from high school. But immediately we're, we're like family because we just connect on something that's so nerdy and ridiculous. But it's, it's, it's where we connect. And it's where the community connects. So I, just, I needed to say that out loud because there are some websites out there that take a shot at like, why is what's in the bag important? And some friends of mine at another website, I'm friendly with these guys, I, you know, I actually know them pretty well, posted something a while back that what's in the bags didn't matter. And I haven't really said anything or much on it since it came out because they took kind of a pounding for it. But it is important. It is important. It's as important as anything else. Um, so that's my rant on that. Okay. It's going to shock some people. My favorite bag to track of all time, it's 1A and 1B. Some of you may, may guess this one, but 1A is David Toms. Hands down, I've never been so obsessed with the ins and outs of somebody's bag as I have been with David Toms since, two, since right after he won the PGA. A lot of it had to do with I really liked his golf swing. I really liked how he played, and he, we were the same size. And I was just like, I always wanted to see what kind of putter he was putting with. So I'm going to get to him in a second because I went, there was an emotional journey with him. 1B is Charlie Howe. Charlie Howe for a few different reasons. Charlie Howe's now become a friend of mine. But Charlie Howe, like David Toms, are like WRXers that made it out on, on tour. David Toms isn't as big as gear junkie as Charlie Howe is, but. David Toms is a tester. Like every every week he'd have like a new three wood in the bag and he would have this in the bag or a new lob wedge. I mean it always it was always something. And Charlie's just Charlie's me on tour with a way better golf swing and sixty million dollars more than I have. But um we're gonna start with Charlie Howe. When I first started ch- tracking Charlie Howe was at the nineteen ninety six USM at Pumpkin Ridge. He played Tiger in the quarterfinals. And at the time he was in I wish he was on the show with me right now, but he um, he had a set of copper ping I twos. I think he had like those ping zing two copper wedges. He had great big Bertha driver, and then he had like three five and seven. He actually had a seven wood in the bag at the time. All great big Bertha stuff, and he had an old ping B sixty with a bunch of lead uh, gauze tape on the on the grip. It was an awesome bag, but he was a skinny kid from Augusta, like he was just cool. So after that, I you know he signed at Oki State goes to Okie State. He's a Ledbetter student. So Oklahoma State was a big ping school. And Charlie, of course, had nothing but Callaway stuff. So he had, uh, you know, the X-12s and the X-12 pros. And every once in a while, ESPN would play a tournament of, of uh, college tournament. And you'd see guys like, and he, you know, everybody would be ping and Charlie would have a set of Callaway irons. Um, so I was just kind of loved to follow in his bag. Then obviously he signs out of college. He wins the, um, the NCAAs with a set of, full set of pings. Uh, ping I three blades, ping ISI driver, ping three wood. I mean, he had the full. He had ping I ping I blade down to the lob wedge, uh, ping B sixty putter. He had the whole thing. 
So then he turns pro, and it was kind of an interesting thing. That was back when the Hawkeye came out, I believe, was his rookie year. Like So when he was at the RBC Canadian Open, it was one of his first or second tournaments that he played. Uh, and, you know, It was in that time when he was had his seven starts. Um, and that was the first time that I saw him with, at that time, I remember on TV they said he's playing with a new Callaway prototype driver this week. And it was the Hawkeye driver. Um, and, you know, ever since, you know, I've been, I, was, I was already a huge Charlie Howell fan. But, you know, I always loved how he went about equipment. Like, he'd always have a driver, but then he'd always switch irons. And he'd, over his career, Charlie's gone from, you know, X14 Pro Series to Hogan Edge Blades to Hogan Edge Cavity Backs to, like, then he was with Bridgestone for a minute. And he had Bridgestone irons, but then he'd have like a tailor-made driver, pink three wood. Then he signed with Mizuno, and he had Mizuno, like some random Mizuno set, and you know, a bunch of Mizuno, random Mizuno sets. But he'd always have like mix and match woods. It'd always be like some weird, you know, sometimes it was all ping, and then the wind would hit him right, and all of a sudden he'd have all tailor-made stuff. Then he'd have all Titleist stuff. And the wedges sometimes would be like one Vokey and two this. And it was just all, it was all over the map. It's exactly what a gear junkie would do if you got out on tour. It's like, I played these for three weeks. I striped them. I need new stuff. That's what Charlie Howell did. And, and now that he's, you know, settled in at titles, I would say Charlie Howell now, his bag is as boring as, it, as it's ever been because he's now with Titleist. And Titleist can satisfy anything that Charlie needs. Like, they can give him, you know, it's, a, it's an ecosystem where his gear junkie can get satisfied and he doesn't really have to go off the reservation to find anything. But once again, Charlie Howell was like one of the bags that I just, I loved following Charlie Howell. I still do to this day, and I'm happy that we're friends. But he's just a fun guy to follow. Um, but my favorite Charlie Howell bag of all time was the bag that he had. Oh, God, I want to say it was his first year with Mizuno. And they, I think Greg or somebody got the first picks. It was when it was when R11 was out, and he shows up to Sony with an R11 driver. I think he had a Titleist three wood. No, he had a Diablo three wood, a Titleist hybrid, and he had the kind of original JPX Pro. I think that's what they were called, uh, Mizuno irons. So he had like the original kind of players, but not MP line Mizuno irons. I forget the name of them. I should know them. And then he had, um, I think his wedges were, uh, I think he had a couple of Mizuno wedges. He had like 52, 56, like MP7 wedges or something, and then like a Vokey Lob, which I forget what the, exactly what the bag was, um, and like a two-ball putter. But it was just a random. Like he showed up, he was a Bridgestone forever, and he shows up to Sony, and he's all Mizunoed out. And it was just an awesome bag. And I remember looking at him like, Charlie, like he went full nerd on this thing. But that was my favorite Charlie Howe bag. And if you go back like into Getty or if you go back into any of Greg's photos over the years, like if you go back to that year, I want to say it was like 2011 or 12, 2011 maybe, his bag was all over the map that year. He had ping drivers and tailor-made drivers and Callaway drivers and he had, you know, bleed into like 2011, 12, 13 when like Rocket Balls was out. He'd have a Rocket Balls 3-wood and a Rocket Balls driver. Then all of a sudden it was all swapped for ping stuff. And then Titleist would come out with a new driver and Charlie's got the new Titleist driver. And there was never consistency of the shafts either. The shafts were all over the map. Sometimes it was Fujikura. Sometimes it was Mitsubishi. I mean, the first time that I ever actually saw a player with a squareway 3-wood was Charlie. Um, as when one of Greg's photos, Charlie's out there testing 3-woods and he had a squareway 
Callaway with a uh, Diamante blue board in it. That's the first time I ever saw it. Then Freddie obviously made it super famous, and so did Rocco. But it was an it was awesome. Like I was I'm like, this guy will try anything. Like he's equal opportunity lender. This guy's not turning away anything. So anyway, that's my that's my favorite Charlie Howell bag. Now we're going to get into one A, which is David Tom's. 2001 PGA Championship, and the reason I will say this first and foremost, why David Tom's is my was my was and still sort of is one of my favorite bags to track. He always had one-off stuff. He always had special David Tom's stuff, and I'm going to get to like 2005, 2005, 2006 was the year it got really off the reservation. But like he wins the PGA Championship, he's got a set of 588Ps, he's got like a Cleveland Launcher 3-iron, um, I think he had the Ping ISI driver, he had Quad Pro 3 and 5 wood, then he had 588 wedges and like that Scotty Cameron putter that you could buy at the store. So he had a cool bag, you know, it was like, you know, it was cool. And then the years start going on, the putters start to change, like, you know, sometimes he'd have a, a really, really cool flow neck Scotty Cameron and... Then I think it was like 2004 or 5. He put the hurting on DeMarco one year at the match play. I think it was 2005. And it was the year that the CG2s came out. And I remember looking at Greg's photos. Uh, I think it was 2005 or 2006. It was right in there. And he wins the match play against DeMarco with a set of like the stock CG2. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I think he had like the the Cleveland launcher driver, the black, the really good looking black one. And I, I, I think his Faro Woods were still the same. I think he had, anyway, he had a cool bag, but he had a really awesome, he won that tournament with a really awesome TP Mills putter. But then the year started going on and I see this picture of David Tom's irons closer to the Tour Championship. And they were CG2s, but they were 588P stamped with CG2. And every single time I'd see David Thomas trying irons, it would always be some weird one-off, something that was supposed to be this, but it was actually the special 588P David Tom set. And it happened all the time. And the other, only other guy that I know of that got special treatment like that was Jonathan Kay, would have some weird Cleveland set. So I'm like, oh my God, this is this, you know, David Thomas is like, I love following David Thomas. Like this guy's all over the place and he gets super cushy stuff. So... Then he signs with TaylorMade in 2007. So I'm, I'm like, I'm locked in. Like, where is this going to go? Because TaylorMade obviously had a really awesome tour department. Are they going to make one-off irons? Is, is DT going to be in some, you know, some weird Japanese set of irons? Like, where is this going to go? And the guy shows up at the first tournament with a set of like the R, the R7TP cavity backs, like the, the cast ones. They weren't even the special like Retief Goose and Cushy ones. They were like just a stock set. And he had like a steel shafted three wood with like an S300 in it. And he had the new driver. He still had his five wood in there. But it was like, I'm okay, once again, I'm like, David Toms is starting here. Where are we going to go from here? And that year, 2005, 2000, I think he was there 2006, no, 2007, 2008, I think were his Taylor made years. And 2009, I think he went back to Cleveland. But it was an iron parade for David Toms in those years. And my favorite bag, really quickly, just to say this, my favorite bag of all time to track was the bag that he had 
his bag basically the whole year of 2005 was the funnest bag I've ever had to track in my life because it's three woods would change, the irons would change. I just I was obsessed with David Toms in 2005 and 2006. Obsessed with this guy. Couldn't stop watching. I mean, I'm scrolling in and zooming in on Getty images to see what he has. Every once in a while, he have a random like non OE, you know, non Cleveland three wood in the bag. So I'll start there. But the year, his first year with TaylorMade, he was all over the map, irons-wise. He went from R7TP to, like, the TP, like, the Miura Forged ones to, I think he had a set of the Rack Satin Cavity Backs. Then he went back to his old Cleveland's for a second while they were trying to figure it out. The wedges would go. Sometimes he'd have the tailor-made wedges, and then sometimes he'd go back and have his Cleveland's. The five Cleveland Quad Pro five would go in and it would get ripped out for something else. Like he was all over the place, and it was a player. The reason I got so obsessed with it is he was a player that had just signed a big contract with a great company, was trying to find his way. And the only thing I can relate it to is when Payne Stewart signed with Top Flight. You know, uh, I guess that would be ten or twelve years before that. It would be nineteen ninety four is when he signed with Top Flight. Um. And he had to go through a bunch of different iron sets to try and find the right one. He went back to his old ones, went to some Mizunos. I mean, he's all over the place. And um, I remember in 2007 or 2008 that David Toms had actually gone to a golf store somewhere like in Charlotte or something like that and bought a set of Mizunos that he actually put into play uh, because he just couldn't find a set of tailor-made irons at the time that, that suited him. Um, and he, in one of the articles I wrote, uh, on David Tom's bag, he mentions it roughly and kind of says that the only thing, real problem he had with the tailor-made equipment is the drivers he loved, most of it he loved, he couldn't find a set of wedges that he really liked. But the fun thing was tracking his irons, and he was switching shafts too. He'd go from rifle 6.0s to, you know, S400 to S300. I mean, it was like, it was amazing to watch. But that's like my favorite bag, and it's still to this day. Like, if I saw David Tom's, if I went out to a Champions Tour event and I saw david toms i'm going right to that bag and just kind of looking around because even to this day if you go follow his bag on the champions tour he still swat uh, switches a bunch of stuff he's pretty tried and true with the srixon cleveland stuff the irons but the driver he'll go from a callaway driver the tylus driver to a tailor-made you know, he's been in sim he's been in the maverick he's been in this you know the gbb epic he's been in i think he tried ping for a second the furry woods are all over the map um he's just a really fun guy to follow especially now because his launch conditions are pretty normal I mean, he's like a 103 104 swing speed guy didn't hit it that far i get really interested in the bags of the guys that pick golf courses apart so bernhard longer's bag is really interesting to me steve stricker's bag is very interesting to me david toms of course very interesting to me because they're within three or four miles an hour of my swing speed we kind of hit it the same same distance and i want to know what those guys are doing those are fun bags to check. That's why, like, on tour, Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner, some of these guys that are, like, 170 below ball speed guys, I love watching those guys to see what they have in the bag because it's, I, I can relate to it. It's, it's, it's in my ballpark of, of the kind of stuff that I would use. So, but that was fun going down that little, going down that rant. Um, There's so many great bags to follow, but, you know, that's how, you know, for my, for my listeners, uh, people that listen to this show, I hope you can hear the passion in my voice. I get so geeked out on this stuff. It's probably why I have a job. 
Um, and to be honest, guys, I didn't even really know what I was going to talk about today. I'm like, I've always wanted to do a show kind of like this. I didn't really know what I was going to say, but, um, that was, that was fun for me. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoy it as much, but, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Once again, go to Titleist.com and find an authorized Titleist fitter in your area. They're a great sponsor. I want to thank them for all the support of the show. Um, we have a, you know, interesting show next week and I'll kind of be teasing that out, um, as we go, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a short show this week. Interested to see what happens out at Riviera. Uh, I'll give you kind of a rundown of what's going on equipment wise for the tour. The tour truck report comes out like today's Wednesday. I'm recording the show. So it comes out today. You guys will be listening to the show tomorrow, but, uh, a lot of shaft testing DJs kind of, you know, testing some driver shafts to fit into the SIM two. Rory McElroy's testing some X sevens, which would be the first time that he's been in a non-project X, uh, ever, as far as I know. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Xander Shoffley's once again, does like coolest iron thing ever. He's got the TCBs, but they're raw. He's got the raw ones now. I need a set of those. Um, but, uh, overall this week at Riviera was pretty slow week. Uh, there was some travel restrictions, guys getting held up. Most guys didn't play practice rounds Monday, Tuesday, so it was kind of a weird, kind of a weird week schedule wise and travel wise. So pretty slow on the trucks, but, uh, you know, it's nonetheless, we got some nuggets. Hope you guys enjoyed the tour report, but, um, that's it guys. That was well worth it for me. Take a walk down memory lane. Uh, but you guys have a great week. This is the gear dive brought to you by Titleist. Uh, I'm your host as always, Johnny wonder grateful for you guys. Have a great rest of the week and we'll see you next week. Take care.